just going to so basically, basically it's all about you. We're, we're just going to ask you questions. questions. Just, just two, two blocks, blocks to where we want, we want everybody individualized so we can kind of see everybody better. 
So, uh, I want to apologize for that. And also, when we set up the YouTube channel for Deck Talk, it, uh, we did not realize because when, with Norman and my YouTube channel, when we started doing live, it was already it was old, or it was established, and so we found out when we tried to go do a live real quick that it will not allow us for 24 hours when we set up that account last night. So uh, that's the reason why we're on or not on the deck deck. It will be on tomorrow. So, uh, and then here in the next... Uh, Couple, couple days, days we're going, going to have the first episode of uh, Deck Talk onto a podcast, podcast form, form, which is going, going to be on Spotify, Spotify, Apple, and, and any other kind of, kind of podcast. podcast. So, so I wanted to say, to say that, that before we really, really got, got started going into it. So, with that, let's keep on going and let's talk to Josh what he's got. So, so today, Josh, you. You had, you had, uh, you had some had people, people out guiding today. I did. I did. We were out there, out there all day. Lake, Lake, Lake came here. Uh, had a pretty good day today, too. I know you guys were out there and caught a little bit this morning. Uh, just loving the good weather. Uh, we got a, we got a whole week coming up. We're supposed to be in the high 50s and 60s. The, the, the large are pushing, pushing up a little, little bit and getting ready to do their thing and really wanting to be shallow. And, uh, and we were able to. Take advantage, Take advantage of that today, catch a few good ones, and, uh, and uh, I think the might be a lot better as the week goes on. So do you so think, do you think that, that um, they're wanting, wanting to move shallow? Well, you know, Aaron, um, um, that they're, they're wanting, wanting to move shallow because of uh, temperature, or do you think that it was because the water level that we was talking earlier is a foot over summer core? I think a lot of it is, you know, Definitely, definitely has, has a lot to do with it being uh, being, being high. high uh, the, the floodgates are open. open. Um, they they want to be moving shallow a lot because, because of that, but I do think it's, they know what time of year it is. They know that. We got to got to turn on one of the mics here for a second. I think turn 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 those off. No 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 over there. Yeah yeah. There we go. that better I, I swear guys this is our first episode <laughs> so okay it, it's just downhill from here right That's yeah true. Aaron let us know if it's uh if it's still echoing please should be good though yeah but uh but yeah I, I think a lot of these fish are wanting to push shallow simply because it's that time of year we're getting towards towards March towards towards April we, we live in Tennessee so uh these fish are going to push up a little earlier than some others will and uh Thanks for letting us know. Yeah, thank you. Uh, but but yeah, so I I really think a lot of it has to do with it's they're they're ready to get up there. That water was pushing up around fifty degrees today, and and they're they're fat too. So it's not yeah, fun. they we've seen uh, the ones that we caught today were were short but plump. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, same with us. Um, but yeah, they're they are definitely getting ready. I don't think that the I mean, they're not quite, they're not ready for spawning by right. yet, but you know, they're, they're doing a lot of feeding. Mm-hmm. Um, we think that our opinion is that that full moon last night kind of affected the bite a little bit for us. Yep. We were thinking that, um, 
because they were just munching all night is how what we felt like because we we did not get that normally how like our bites and stuff and what you know josh that that it's down there is more on the river wise is almost i mean it's a thump instead mm -hmm. of like today our bites were more or less like if you're fishing on chickamauga and you have a bash just come up and just inhale it mm -hmm. and you just feel the tension and a tail kick um, that's how it was today so it wasn't like they were in that hungry mood that they were feeding it was more or less we put it right by their face and they decided to take it almost yep. like they reacted to the bite right, as it went right, by right. but they didn't want to really eat it they mouthed it and then just turn it loose right away you know? yeah yeah definitely no we had, we had quite a few today um with with my clients where it was you know you'd set the hook you get four cranks in and then they'd pull loose or you'd, yeah. you'd land one and they'd have it right at the right at the top of their mouth and but going back to what you said about them being heavy our two biggest ones you know to start the day i i landed one and said you know it's about a three pounder and we put it on the scale and it went over four yeah. and then you know we had another one where my client <laughs> caught it and we said it was about a two pounder and ended up going almost three and that's just the awesome thing about this time of year is the weights are going to be higher the fish are going to be going to be bigger and this is this is a great time of year to chase that that fish of a lifetime because that fish that's eight nine pounds normally is going to be 10 11 pounds right now so well speaking of fish of a lifetime do you know how many uh, just last year how many pbs you had on your boat like the exact number? Well, I mean, just roundabout. I mean, roundabout. I know a bunch. Yeah. I'd, I'd say probably about sixty or seventy at least. And I, because I was about to say, I know, I had two of them on his boat. Yeah, back so, pretty much back to back cast. It was yeah, about ten it, minutes apart. And yeah. so, uh, with that being said, uh, we want to at least let you know that. If you were coming to Chattanooga area and you're needing a guide or wanting a guide, uh, look up Josh, uh, Chattahook them. Especially and, if you're wanting to catch some big smallies. Oh yeah. Correct. And the thing about it is, is Norman and I, he's, and Josh has done this time and time again to Norman and I, and he probably thinks it's funny. We don't think that it's funny because we've gone even throwing the exact same bait that he's throwing we've got them out of his boat throwing the exact same stuff and he's catching tanks when we're catching just two or three pounders and he's catching people's pvs so um we're talking from experience and he's doing it he's showing everybody that he can do it he's done it as a paycheck I mean, as a full-time paycheck, what do you say, 18 months? Yep, 18 months full-time. So um, he knows what he's doing, and so we appreciate him, one, coming on here, but we appreciate him helping us out on the lake also. And that's one thing that we really enjoy because as fishermen, we feed each other, feed off of each other. So if we know something, we like to bounce things off of people. Um, especially if they're good buddies. Yeah, right. and I want to say something too, real quick. Is you know I've been guiding for over 15 years, but all my pretty much the well, all my guiding experience has been in South Florida. Well, you come up here, it's you know moved up here permanently two and a half years ago. It's night and day from what we have in Florida to what we have up here. 
And uh, Colin and Josh has been good friends for a while. And Colin actually introduced me to Josh. Now, me and Josh has became really good friends since then. But I tell you what, guys, Josh has kind of taken me under his wing, being that he's fished these lakes pretty much all his life and been guiding up here. And, he, I mean, there's not many days that he doesn't have a trip booked up here. So for uh, a fella guide to take another guide that's trying to get himself established in a different area than he's been in pretty much all his life. And knowing that I'm actually going to be, my office is basically the same office as his, you know, I have, I, I can't thank this man enough for what he's done for me personally up here because he has actually showed me so much um, to help me out you know, as a fellow guide, and I will tell you one thing, there's not a lot, there's not a lot of fishermen in general, more or less guides that know we're competing guides against each other. Well, not right. I mean, don't take that the wrong way, not competing, but you know what I'm talking about. He, there's not many, there's not no other guide that would actually do that to help a, a brother like, you know, us out. So I, I owe Josh a lot for what he's done for me personally up in a totally, totally new environment for me. So I owe Josh a lot for what he's done for me that way too. So, and I will tell you firsthand from what Colin said, this man is a stud uh, and uh, we've been out with him personally. Josh has taken us around, showed me a lot of stuff. And uh, this, this dude here, he can catch him. Yeah. So uh, we got ZK customs on here. He says, Hey boys, can't wait till Friday. So I think Friday might have to do something with Josh uh we'll have to see i don't know okay well, maybe maybe read underneath the table so. <laughs> <laughs> but uh so and he says josh antoine with chad hookham is the man for the job yeah he's he's exactly right um we've got What's bruce here? uh and scott goodridge and it says five others are watching you and todd godwin and Todd, thank you, uh, thank you again for coming back on here. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Josh, you want to kind of where where did you get your fishing like roots started? Oh man, that's that's actually I know a lot of people kind of have the origin story uh, for for fishing. Uh, my first big memory, uh, we had some friends that had a uh, that had a, a lake house up in. I'm originally from Michigan, from Southern Michigan. And originally had, we had some friends who had a lake house. They said we could stay there for a week. I think I was eight or nine years old that summer. And uh, all I remember is my dad got some worms and uh, he wouldn't let me put a bobber on. My dad doesn't like bobbers. So if he's watching <laughs> this, uh, I, I'm, I didn't use bobbers. Um, but uh, but anyway, uh, reeling in those first couple fish on a worm, and then for that whole week, my mom would have to, you know, come out and drag me inside to eat because uh, I didn't want to come inside and eat. And uh, <laughs> and and eventually I just would come inside, eat as quick as I could, then go back outside, go back to fishing. So that's where it started. Uh, and then it was just, you know, kind of honing it in from there. I got my first bait caster when I was nine or ten years old. And, uh, there was we had some friends with a pond and they would let us come walk the, the bank of their pond and. You know, it's just, and then as far as loving the river, when we moved down here, uh, one of the main things up north is we don't have the big bodies of water other than the Great Lakes. 
So you're fishing small creeks for smallmouth, things like that. And uh, and so that's why when I moved down here and saw that we had smallmouth, we had current, we had rock, you know, right and just it, everything was perfect. And, and I fell in love with the river from there. Yeah. Well, we got a couple of questions. Yes, I see that one right there. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Benson asked, what do you like best or what do you like best this time of the year? Live bait or artificial for smallmouth? Uh, so definitely artificial. Um, I'm not huge into the live bait. Uh, I'll, I'll do live bait here and there upon request. I'll use live bait when I take my nephews fishing. Um, but artificial uh, this time of year, uh, especially for the smallmouth, because they're getting ready. They'll do their thing about a month earlier than the largemouth will, and uh, and they're going to be they're going to be a little bit deeper when they spawn. Um, and so just finding those areas where you can get where you can find uh, some slack in the current, uh, rock piles around some some deeper uh, channel swing banks, things like that. Great places for smallmouth to want to spawn. And so this time of year, I'm definitely definitely uh, looking at artificial um, just your typical you know red crankbaits uh, anything that anything that's going to move uh, in front of them that's going to cause a reaction because one thing you'll start seeing over the next few weeks is every smallmouth you catch is going to have red eyes and then you'll start seeing that with the largemouth and the spotted bass a few weeks later um, but we've already been catching a bunch of smallmouth that have red eyes right now which means you know about, they're getting, that, time. about that time they're getting yeah. ready well, you are, I mean, I, my next question was going to be spawning points, difference between small mouse and large mouse, but you pretty much just summed it up with just what you just said. Yeah. So, uh, my dad is poking jabs at somebody that is on this podcast already by saying, hey, Josh, when fishing the river, do you shake off a drum? Oh man, no, you don't shake it off. You just bring a hammer with you and you hit it on the head when it gets up to the bottom. How big of a splash but. is a man take when you toss it out the boat? <laughs> hey, I will say uh, if if uh, if Steve were sitting at this table right now, none of us three sitting here would be the best fisherman in the room. So he uh, he'll he'll try and act like he's the net man, but don't let him fool you. He sits back there and he's a secret assassin back there in that in that deck chair. So yeah. So, he Go tries ahead. definitely. Steve's, so. Steve's yeah. taking and poking jabs at me. That's right. It's been like this all day on the water. It's been like hey, especially when Norman caught a drum today. It was he even cranked it up. Uh, I was gonna say my tournament partner for years, Jake. Uh, he uh, he told me I should name my my charter the Little Drummer Boy Charter. <laughs> so that's, that's not good. quite as bad as that that's jab good. right there. No, no. Yeah. Um, what about uh, your your family wife? You you are you're married mm -hmm. and you got a little one on the way. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. So that is uh, that's one thing I, I I don't like talking about my charter without talking about the support system that I have. And it starts with my wife Caroline. Um, she is she's incre an incredible woman. Uh, some of you guys watching may have met her. I know I know Zach's met her, um, but she is. She's amazing. Uh, I choke up a lot of times talking about her just because she's she's the one who allowed me to be out here. Um, you know, she she allowed me to take the risk. And then, yeah, we've got our first little one on the way in May. And uh, we're not finding out if it's going to be a boy or a girl uh, until the baby's born. Uh, so do you have a name for mm -hmm. either way? Yeah. So, yeah, if it's a boy, it's going to be Titus William. And, uh, yeah, William's after her, her dad. And then if it's a if it's a girl, it'll be Eliana Ray. 
and then just the rest rest of my family too same thing yeah. grew up awesome awesome family um i am who i am because of the the people that raised me and uh my dad's still you know my first and favorite fishing partner and uh and then my mom is you know i'm a big mama's boy so yeah the first time i actually met josh i pulled up on him and uh he was actually used to actually fishing with your dad, with my dad and yeah. your was it no it was, it was mr ron who's another yeah. good mentor of mine yeah so uh, but i say that and uh i think it was it your dad that caught the big small one. The big that small. Was Mr. Ron. Yeah. That was Mr. Ron. I, some I just knew somebody caught a tank right in front of me, yeah. and so, but uh, yeah, that I do want to say something that uh, it kind of it, it impresses me a whole lot uh, about you going out on the boat and with Josh. The first thing before we're even taking off, he says, "Hey." Do you mind if we uh, we say a prayer over the trip? Make sure everything's uh, goes safely. Um, and to me, I that is awesome. I mean, because that speaks highly of yourself. That you know that without him, none of this would be possible for you to be able to do what you're doing. So that to me, I just want to say, I, I'm very. Yep. That makes me happy. You know. Yep. That, yeah, no, that's something that's something that uh, I went out with a guide a few years ago and he did that. And I, I was like, you know what, when I, if I ever get into guide and I want to do that as well. And uh, and my mom, every time we talk about a trip, she'll ask me, you know, did you pray today? And I'm like, yes, I <laughs> promise we did. Yeah. And uh, but that's just in my life. That's how you that's how you should start every day and uh, be thankful for <laughs> for how you got there and then he gave it to you. So, yeah. Normally, you got any questions? You know what? Growing up as a kid, mm -hmm. uh, of course, all of us fishermen, we always have somebody we look up to. Uh, when we're trying to uh, get started, just learning how to fish. Uh, did anybody, whether it be a family member, uh, someone else, maybe another pro that you might have followed or... Uh, who who was your inspiration growing up? Yeah, so so I I definitely have a couple with that. The first one being being a Michigan guy uh, growing up, all we heard about you know Kevin Van Dam, um, <laughs> but so that's that was kind of the first one for me is you know who doesn't want to be like Kevin Van Dam? You know the best fisher best bass fisherman that's ever been. Yeah. Uh, but then after we moved down here, speaking of Mister Ron, the one that had the giant smallmouth in his hand when you pulled up on us, he's he's from Chattanooga. He's lived here his whole life, um, and he. Uh, when I was in high school, took me fishing out in his bass boat for the first time. And so he's really kind of the one that got me started on fishing the river and falling in love with it and, and uh, really taking me under his wing. And, and so as far as inspiration goes, fishing wise, um, that kind of molds into inspiration as who I wanted to be as well as, uh, but, but he would definitely be the one that would come to mind that I wanted to not only fish as good as he did, but treat people the way he did and, you know, how he took me fishing that's kind of how my love for taking people fishing started was, you know, him taking me and then always being willing to do whatever he could to, to help me out. Yeah. Now being a, a guide, what gives you more joy of seeing like as a guide and stuff, what gives you more joy seeing somebody catch that PB 
are you going out and you catching a hundred fish a day? Ooh. I got to honestly say that that really depends on what each group wants to do. Right. Um, now, everybody obviously wants to catch the biggest fish of their life when they're <laughs> out with a guide, uh, but that's not going to happen every day. And so that's that's a conversation I have with most of my groups is, you know, what are you looking to get out of it? Are you learning? Are you looking to learn how to fish this lake or are you just here for the week and you want to know? Um, but if we're just talking, if we're just talking me personally, there's nothing better than watching somebody reel in, you know, that the biggest fish they've ever, they've ever caught, you know, uh, quite a few, quite a few guys that, that may watch this video or, you know, people that follow my Facebook and stuff are people who have caught their personal best. And you can attest to it when you landed, when you landed that smallmouth. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I was louder than anybody that yeah. that boat. And there's just something about it. You know, it's, it's hard work. It's, it's why I do what I do is to put people on the fish of a lifetime. And, uh, and so there really isn't there really isn't a better feeling. And the best I'd but, add one thing to it too. The best part of being a guide is being able to see the smiles you can put on someone's face right, yeah. when they catch that, especially that's younger right. kids. Exactly. Well, Zach says that he would rather catch a hundred fish. He's not going to break his PB. <laughs> uh, we PB? all we all What's know your, your PB? PB is three and a half pounds, Zach. Yeah. We we know. We fished against you. Yeah. Well, you fish if you fish against Zach when he can put a topwater plug in his hand, you're you're gonna lose. Yeah. But uh, so um, let's see. When did you realize that you wanted to do guiding as a career? <laughs> Zach Zach says he got a twelve pounder. <laughs> but uh, um, honestly. It, it was something I've, I've kind of always thought about when I was going to grad, when I was kind of getting, finishing up my degree, uh, I played baseball in college. I, I knew I wasn't going to go pro with that. So I knew it was time to kind of start looking at a career. And that's when I, the thought started. Um, but after graduation, I went to work for Chick-fil-A. Uh, I was a marketing director with them and I, I loved that side of it. So the marketing side of it, I love the people side of it. Um, but after a while, it just was, you know, didn't really want to be in a restaurant anymore. Wanted to do something to where I could use my passion, you know, which is, you know, just people. I, I love being around people. I love having good conversation with people. And of course I love fishing. And so my wife and I were talking about things I could do after Chick-fil-A. And uh, I kind of jokingly said I could go fishing every day. And she was like, well, could you? And I was like, there's, there's guides out there. And, uh, and so that's kind of where it started. And, um, it was a lot, a lot of hard work from there, but that was yeah. really when, you know, when, when she said, yes, uh, I think we should do this. I think you'll be happy. I think you'll be good at it and kind of pushed me to do it was, was really when I, it kind of changed from a pipe dream to holy crap, we're, we're going to give this a shot. So. Right now, um, this might be a, a double question for Norman and Josh. Um, so y'all can kind of pick whoever's going first to answer this. Um, but I just, I was thinking of things that kind of trying to ask uh, that maybe people that's listening to this podcast might be thinking, well, I want to be a guide. Mm -hmm. um, so when you start to thinking about being a guide, what, uh, how much work is it to be able to try to get on fish and stay on fish for your customers? That, uh, I, I, I was going to say, I got a, I got a quick answer for that one. So, um, and yeah, uh, that is the hardest thing about guiding every person, every group that gets in your boat's expectation is they're going to catch them like the last group. 
they look on, they book with you because they see your social media, they see your posts and they're like, man, I'm going to go out and we're going to catch them like that or better. And it doesn't happen like that every day. Um, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of people that I've had conversations with that are great fishermen. Um, but sometimes it's, it's about, you know, you get to noon, you're having a tough day and you've got to be able to have that stretch or those few stretches and, and know that you're going to go and put some fish in the boat at some point during that day. Um, because you don't want anybody leaving after paying to take, to go fishing with you, not having caught them. So, right. um, if you want to add anything. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, it's basically a lot of time on the water. Mm -hmm. Uh, even when you don't have a, have a trip with you spending, burning a lot of gas, spending a lot of money, just trying to, trying to, the more areas you have on a particular body of water, the better off you're going to be because not every day, you know, if you catch, uh, 40 fish in one area one day, you know, it might not be the same. The more areas you could find a better, but spend a lot of time on the water. Uh, even when you don't have trips with you, you're going to be spending a lot of money. But the main thing about being a guide is you want to make your customers happy, even if that means spending a little bit of money other than, you know, guiding to put a little bit into it, but you're going to get a lot more reward out of it at the end. So spend time on the water, even when you don't have trips with you. So you could kind of, uh, you know, you got to be able to, and a lot of, especially like on Nickajack, you know, it changes almost yeah. on a daily basis. Yeah. So you're almost having to spend every day out there, even if you don't have a trip. So you can kind of follow the fish around and know what they're doing from day to day. And if you don't do that, you're lost. If you're not on there in a week and you go back out, think you could just get on the same fish you were on a week ago, you're going to be lost. You're going to be out in left field. Yeah, that's what I was going to add to that is just, you, you can't bank on three or four spots to mm -hmm. always produce because if you're fishing those three or four spots every time you've got a trip, eventually, eventually out. all of them it's are going to burn, burn up and on one day. And so that's why it's important to put the time in on the water, understand the fishery that you're on and understand kind of how to pattern them, depending on, you know, time of year, water level, current, all those different kind of things. Um, because that's a lot of times I'll show up to the ramp in the morning, see the way the water looks and, and start to formulate a game plan from there. As opposed to, I know a lot of guys are, you know, in their head the night before, they're like, I'm going to hit this spot and this spot and this spot. And that can't be your mindset. Your mindset has to be, I'm going to look at the conditions that I have that day and I'm going to go forward from there. And uh, and time on the water is really the only thing that can get you prepared to do that. Yeah. And fishing the conditions is a key too, you know, because to, if you have a guide trip, you can't, you know, even if you get bad weather, can't uh, make the excuse. you can't make the excuse. You got to go. So you got to be able to fish the conditions and narrow it down by having more spots out there. Uh, depending on what the weather is, you know, you have, you have your options open of where you could go and what you could do because it's not always going to be the same day to day. And the weather has a big thing to do with what you might have to do on the water once you get there. Right. Um, Rocky Stokes says, any tips on deep, clear water spotted bass lakes? So I take it he's probably talking what near yeah. something like that. Yeah. So that's one, uh, Rocky, I know, I know you and Zach uh, fish Carters. Um, Alatoon is a good example of one of those. Up here in Cleveland, we have Parksville. Um, that is one. If you have forward-facing sonar, it's super helpful on, on bodies of water like that. But if you don't, um, Finding main lake, main lake points are where I'm always going to start on a, on a lake that has clear water and spotted bass. Um, anytime I go down to Lanier, I, I go there once or twice a year and uh, 
And I love Lake Lanier, some of the biggest spotted bass in the world. And the first place I'm going to check is a deep, a deep point that feeds into the main lake or jumps off into the main lake. Um, and then also using, using your maps, um, the bigger pockets, finding those humps on the creek that, that feeds back into the pocket are a great place to look because spotted bass never really want to get too shallow. So if you're, if you're wanting to catch spotted bass, you, you're going to, you're going to have to fish deep, which means you're going to have to use your graphs. You're going to have to, uh, spend time behind the wheel before you make a cast. You're going to need to mark fish before you're casting at them. Cause a lot of times, you know, if you're on a, you're on a lake with large mouth and you're wanting to catch them shallow, you can, you can find a, a stretch of bank with good cover on it and, you know, throw a moving bait and, and find some fish. But with spotted bass, yeah, you're, you're going to want to, you're going to want to use those graphs. And then, like I said, main lake points right up, you know, literally where they bump into the, to the main river, the, the humps and the brush piles that you can find on the way back into pockets. And then, uh, a lot of times for myself, for instance, on Lanier, anytime I go down there, the first thing I, you know, I've got my four or five pockets that I like there, but it, it but it works on any of those uh, lakes is that first stretch of docks in, in a, in a, in a big pocket is always a great place to start when you're, when you're looking for spotted bass, cause they're going to be a little bit deeper. It's going to be the first place they set up when they move off the main lake. And a lot of times those spotted bass are going to even spawn in 13 to 18 feet of water. So they can spawn right there on that dock and then and then go back out. Yeah. Um, do you prefer uh, like the deep clear lakes, or do you prefer like to have some kind of stain? What am I fishing for in this question? Um, well, let's fish for let's do some smallies. If we're if we're chasing smallmouth, uh, which is, and this is actually kind of contrary to what most people would say, um, but I, I I like a little bit of stain. Um, because my favorite way to catch smallmouth is is with a moving bait. Um, I know if you've been in my boat, we we use a Ned rig a lot. We use a drop shot a lot. Um, but my favorite way to catch them. So, and like I said, you asked, what do I prefer? Um, my favorite way to catch them is on a moving bait, whether that be an A rig, a, a spinner bait, a shallow crank bait. Um, so a little bit of stain with those smallmouth because they are they're sight feeders, whereas spotted bass and largemouth are are uh, they're feed by scent and they feed by like the vibration spotted bass like to be able to see what they eat. And if they can't see, they become ultra aggressive right. and they're going to hit a lot harder. And so you can throw those moving baits right past them. Let's see. Rocky said, uh, he found them on Chattooga Sunday, 30 to 45 feet. Mm -hmm could see them on live, but just followers couldn't get them to eat through single swim baits, finesse jigs, shaky heads, jigging spoons, and crankbaits. So that one, Chattooga's another awesome lake. Um, being being from up here in Cleveland, Chattooga's only about, uh, yeah, me too, Rocky. That's that's my favorite time to yeah. fish Nickajack. He said he loves it when Nickajack is high and dirty. So that's, I we catch a lot of our biggest smallmouth when, when it's like that. It's how it is right now. And we had a, uh, a five pound smallie, uh, early last week. So, um, but yeah, Chattoo, that, that makes sense. You're going to get a lot of followers there. Um, I, I, I'm guessing that was kind of a question, but I'm just going to say maybe try throwing a jerk bait at him. Um, I know Zach is, I know you fish with Zach a lot. Zach's a hammer with the jerk bait. So, um, but throwing a jerk bait in, in that situation is a good way to do it. 
But if you're getting a lot of followers, a lot of times that may just mean it's it's a school that's not super fired up. Leave, come back in 30 minutes, give them some time to maybe get fired up. And if, if you think they're the right kind of fish, keep checking back back in on them, especially on a lake like Chattooga that's super small. And I know you got that that nice new skeeter, so uh, you can get around that <laughs> lake pretty quick. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, on a lake like that that's kind of small, keep checking back in on that school if you think they're the right fish because eventually they'll fire up. Yeah. Um, so do you like fishing lakes that have the thread fins? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I, I love blueback herring lakes. Um, like I said, I went to college in, uh, in South Carolina. So fishing Lake Hartwell a lot with the blueback herring. Um, but thread, thread fin lakes are, are a lot of fun because a lot of times that's, you're going to have more large mouth. And, uh, and when those thread fins start dying off, as a lot of guys who are watching the video, who will watch the video, you guys know, when those thread fins start dying, the, the bass come up and absolutely gorge themselves. And, uh, yeah, thread, thread fin lakes, definitely good. You know, Nick and Jack's got a lot of thread yeah. fin, a lot of gizzard shad. Um, but, uh, but I, I would say if, if I had to pick my favorite forage, I love blueback herring lakes, because if you look at, if you look at the fish from those lakes, they're always just a little bit fatter for whatever reason. Lake Lanier, everybody on here has seen pictures from Lake Lanier. Those spotted bass are thick, full year round, and it's a blueback herring lake. Right. Now, if you can pick um, any lake or any place to go fish in the world, where would that be and what are you targeting? Oof. I know it's not. Really yeah, I know. So that's, that's like, if, yeah, if I had, yeah, this, this wasn't on the list. Everybody. Yeah. We, we uh, made a list for him, but uh, I'm, I have not been going. Yeah, Colin, but very, no, that's okay. That's okay. Um, I love smallmouth as, as a lot of people who know me and talk to me know, I love smallmouth and being from up North, I never got to fish St. Lawrence river. So I'd love to spend some time up on the St. Lawrence River. Yeah. You know, I'd I'd love to fish a body of water where a three pound smallmouth is is nothing to anybody. So um, that St. Lawrence, but then outside of that, uh, some of those lakes out in Texas. You know, yeah. this it just and then as far as spotted bass go, uh, Clear Lake. So yeah. since since you didn't give me time to prepare for that one, you get three <laughs> answers. Well, see, but, you kind of. You hit on what I what I said because I said because um, we were talking Norman and I were talking about it and I said uh, Rayburn or uh, Lake Fork. Mm -hmm. um, those two are to me is on the bucket list to yeah. be able to go hit. Um, Norman said I thought I, I thought he took box. it he took it way out of the box because somebody asked us where would we want to fish. Did not say U.S. I took it as U.S. He took it in the world. And so he said, I want to go to Amazon and catch some monster peacock. Yeah, that would be fun. That, 20 pound peacock. That would be fun. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of lakes kind of in the in the southwest, Toledo Bend kicked out a 40-pound limit to BFL last weekend with yeah. a 13-and-a-half oh, wow. pound kicker. So. I did not hear that. Yeah. Toledo Bend, yeah. Big, biggest BFL fish ever weighed in. How would you pounds. like to be on a kayak and have that thing pulling you around? <laughs> yeah, Zach. Zach and them went out to Lake Fork last year. So, and oh, they, he didn't like it. No, he did get Zach. Post picture that five pounder you caught out there, though. <laughs> He's like, I catch those back at home. That's right. He didn't need to drive twelve hundred miles. Uh, I've always seen like on uh, on Fort Lake Fork that um, 
like fishing them the cypress stumps that's out there yeah and but again he might not have been also the time of the year that you're there too right that's what i say he might not have been because i've seen what they had they canceled uh was it two years ago they canceled the uh uh lake fork tournament for uh, the bass well, they, with the I, elites they canceled it and then they had to they rescheduled it for later in the year but the water the level was, i thought they just canceled one day they they actually it, it was the whole tournament because they can't they, they went back and the water level was was lower than what it would have been if they would have have gone and they're like now we can't even fish that's what we want to that's what we've come here to do is fish these cypress knees yeah. guys guys getting out there when the water's a little low and see all these separate knees sticking that far above <laughs> the water like yeah. two weeks so, ago i ran right across there right but uh but yeah let's uh let's see how many days a year roundabout i mean i'm not i didn't don't want you to pull out your calendar and be like i right. fished right. <laughs> but uh how many days a year do you ballpark figure that you're on the water? Uh, I actually, that was one of the questions you sent me. So I started thinking yeah. about it, but pretty anywhere from 250 to 275, I'd say, um, five, five days a week usually. And, uh, and, uh, oh, Zach can't post a picture, but five days a week usually. And then a lot of times I end up out there at six, you know, whether it be a Sunday afternoon, or, or anything like that, but yeah, anywhere from 250 to 275 days, days a week or a, a year usually. So, a lot of days. And well, add one thing too: this man is booked pretty much almost solid uh, for the most part too. There's not many days that you're actually not booked during the main part of the season, yeah, anyway. That's, that's the goal. Right now, we're out. We're out almost through April. So, if you're watching this and want to get a trip, reach out soon if you want to go in the spring. Yeah. Yeah, because that's uh, definitely the time that you really want to get out. Um, do you where? What lakes do you say that you that you guide on? That so people if they want to say that I'm looking to go to this lake. Yeah, yeah. Know? So Lake Nickajack, obviously that's my number one lake. Um, I'm probably down there eighty percent of the time or more. Um, Lake Chickamauga, I'll, I'll guide out there, especially I've got quite a few trips in March and April on Chickamauga. Um, and that's just people who want to target those bigger bites. And so you're, you're going to go up there expecting not to catch as many. Um, but, but yeah, we're going to, those two for sure. Um, you're, you're not supposed to guide on Parksville. So I definitely don't guide on Parksville. <laughs> um, but, but yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, tell us the difference um, between Chickamauga and Nickajack. I know because one thing is is the species that you mainly target mm -hmm. is totally different. Yeah. But how do you go? Does your preparation for guiding on Chickamauga differ from Nickajack? Yeah, so so one thing that I that I do again going back to trying to make sure every client group has a, a really awesome trip is I will always make sure that say I say I've been guiding for three weeks straight on the river and I haven't been up on Chickamauga. If somebody books a trip with me on Chickamauga, I make sure to book it out far enough to where I can get on that on Chickamauga, Chickamauga at least one day in the day or two before and spend a whole day out there just getting reacclimated to it. Um, as far as how they fish different, 
everyone who's fished both of them, especially for someone like me who fishes the north end of Nickajack a lot, the current is the number one thing. There's current on Chickamauga, absolutely, when you get out on the main lake after a lot of rain, things like that. But it fishes more like a lake. Nickajack fishes more like a river. Um, you're going to use your spot lock a lot more. And the Nickajack fishes a little bit deeper than Chickamauga does. A, a lot of times on Chickamauga, you're going to be, for I'd say for six to eight months out of the year, you can find them really shallow on Chickamauga. Uh, whereas on Nickajack, as you guys know, you've been out there yourselves, you've been out there with me, we're catching them routinely in you know 12 to 25 feet of water all year round. And a lot, a lot of times it's abnormal to be catching them shallower than that on Nickajack, whereas on Chickamauga, it's really, you know, during the summer that you're going to be catching them much deeper than that 12-foot mark right. on Chickamauga, or I take that back. It's abnormal on Chickamauga to have to target them deeper than that um, because you can always find a deep bite. There's, it's, there's one there on every lake. There's fish that never come up shallow, uh, but that's the biggest difference is Nick and Jack just fishes a good bit deeper than the current, obviously. Yeah, that's the reason why, like on Chickamauga, you will always see boats fishing the wedges on mm-hmm. Chickamauga. Always. But the thing with Chickamauga too is, or Nickajack is, you're going to have more prevalent smallmouth mm-hmm. on Nickajack. Where you get on Chickamauga is going to be more your your largemouth is going to be more prevalent on Chickamauga versus now there is smallmouth on Chickamauga, yeah. mm-hmm. but Nickajack you're going to catch probably. A lot more smallmouth than you're going to catch on Chickamauga, and plus Chickamauga has your Florida strain, which you know you always have an opportunity anytime you go to Chickamauga to to catch that double digit Mm -hmm. fish of a lifetime. That that's not nearly as as common on down on the river uh, the ten pounders as they are up on the lake. And the thing that Nickajack doesn't give get enough credit for, and a couple people that see this might be mad at me for kind of spilling the beans. Nickajack's a better grass fishing lake than people give it credit for. When you go down into a few areas on Nickajack, you can catch them in the grass just as good on, as you do on Chickamauga, and it's not going to have near the pressure around you as you will during the fall up on Chickamauga. Hey, Zach, we will edit that out. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> no, I was just saying that because I know that people like, oh, man. Oh. But um, I was just joking. Uh, no, because we uh, – Rocky yes. says he's seen 11-2 out of Nickajack yeah. this year. Yeah, y'all waited. Uh, yeah, you definitely you definitely can see him down there. I know uh, there was a 10 there last March. There was a guy who said he caught a 12 last year. You're just not going to see him as often. Right, yeah, right. You see you see those 10-pounders pretty regularly on uh, on Chickamauga, even today. Yeah. And then uh, – and then – Yeah, but there is Florida Strand mm-hmm. – in Nickajack, Viva the Lock. That's what. That's what. I mean, that's how they're getting through. But, uh, but yeah, Zach is correct. There is Florida Strand down there. Yeah, there's any bass yeah. around. If yeah, Zach, bass I saw around, the pictures of that one too. If there's any bass on the Chickamauga side yeah. today, they better hold on because they get sucked through. That's music. right. It was yeah. ripping. Yeah. And then Zach, uh, Zach, if uh, if that eleven two that you weighed for that guy. Be be realistic. That twelve pounder you're saying was uh, probably about six and a half, wasn't it? <laughs> camera angles. <laughs> it's all about um, the camera angle. Now this ain't on the list again, but uh, how does fishing Nickajack when? Because today we went up by the dam. We didn't get up to the dam. We went by the dam. They had ten spillways going. 
So how does the lake change from them having the spillways open to not and just running generators? Honestly, really the main thing it changes is fishing up at the dam. You know, a lot of times when they've just got the generators running, you can get up there and catch them really good. Um, but when you've got water spilling through the gates, uh, a lot of times that's when I'm going to spend more time mid lake than I, than I usually do. Um, we'll still, we'll start most days up at the North end near the dam. But, uh, but whenever I have the, uh, whenever they have the spill gates open, a lot of times I'm going to push, push further down lake a little bit because what that does is that current gets really moving further down the lake right. and it positions those fish down there. Yeah, it activates exactly. Much, yeah. Exactly. And those are fish that don't get pressured as much as the ones do all the way up by the dam. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we went today, we went past Moccasin Bend mm -hmm. and that current around Moccasin Bend, I'd say was about what it is when they got like maybe four generators going, five generators going down at Moccasin Bend. Um, so is that question for me or you? Um, you can, we'll let you answer, but, uh, Zach, I did not know they put them in at Marion County. He was talking about, he said that they put the Florida strand down in Marion so, County. Yeah. All right. So I didn't know that. I just, I figured that it was, um, oh, he said both. Um, <laughs> I figured that it was just coming through the locks uh, when they locked through. Rocky, we caught them pretty good in the first thing in the morning. Uh, I was actually shocked because we had that full moon last night. I figured it'd be an afternoon bite, but it's actually a morning bite. Uh, we found some largemouth today. I was talking to Zach about it earlier about how the largemouth are starting to really cooperate. So uh, we'll be showing a certain couple people on Friday where all those largemouth are at. So. Norman, do we uh, do we need to get on Nick and Jack Friday then? <laughs> <laughs> we'll be following some uh, mystery boat. Um, now today. We did have a better early, early morning. Well, it wasn't early morning, but it was a more. We had a better er, uh, morning bite today than uh, than we did because probably about um, I'd say about eleven eleven thirty ish. It really kind of started to die on us with the bites that we were getting, um, and everything that we caught. We were, we we're pretty much uh, throwing up into, we we're, I mean, pounding the banks, throwing into the brushes where the water has come up and where it's up a foot up above a summer pool. Um, so every, all the brush is now getting flooded. So we were catching everything that our hits was coming within the first three feet, really off of the bank. So um, they, we noticed that everything was, pushed up against the bank yeah. today. So, mm -hmm. so, um, when, uh, so do you throw like a swim bait all year round or is there just certain times? Cause you, you said that you like throwing an a rig. Mm -hmm. Um, do you, do you throw like a, just like a single, maybe or like an underspin? Yeah. So, uh, one, one of my favorite baits to throw um, is just a, a single a single swim bait, um, especially because down on the river you'll notice that the bait fish are consistently going to be a little bit smaller. 
Um, the the fish are going to be a little meaner. Um, you'll notice if you next time you're fishing the river, look at the tail of one of the bass. They're always a little bit taller than they are on on different bodies of water. But the bait fish, their growth is a little bit more stunted because one, they can't get out in that current as easily as the bass can, and two, when they can't get out in the current, they can't hide as well. Um, so they don't get as big. And so I love throwing a single swim bait most of most of the year. We'll we'll have one of those tied on. Um, but but yeah, uh, single swim bait a rig. This time of year, um, you know, yeah, there's definitely a couple little, couple little secret baits that that we like to keep up our sleeve. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, single single swim bait and a rig, and then and then a crank bait. Uh, it's hard to beat a crank bait in the colder water, especially when that current gets really really strong. Um, they have a really hard time letting that crank bait go by without at least figuring out yeah. what it is. Yeah. Um, so, what is what would be your favorite bait to go to? Like if I could pick one bait to get bit on or if yeah, I had to if get you a bite? Had, if you had to go out right now and catch a fish. And again, you don't have to give exact, but just what style, <laughs> what type of bait. Right, right. If, if I've got to go out and catch a fish, anybody who's been fishing with me knows I'm going to have a net rig in my hand. Yeah. Um, and that it may not be a very big fish, but if I have to go out and catch fish, yeah. but if we're talking mm -hmm. my favorite bait, to get bit on, um, it would either be uh, a shallow crankbait. I love a crankbait that dives less than 10 foot. There's just something about it, feeling it bounce off a rock or deflect off some cover and then load up. Or, uh, or here I'll, I'll give one. I'll give one of the baits away. Or, or a little Cleo. That's that's probably my favorite bait to get smoked on is a little Cleo. I threw that for more yeah, two hours this morning. I was gonna say Norman and Colin got 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 that, in on that little secret with a little Cleo. But uh, if you want to know how I fish the bait, you need to book a trip because <laughs> it's a ton of fun when they're on it. Oh man, it is a blast! And uh, and and, just and, to, and to add one thing to that, every day again, get back to every day is different out there. They're going to hit it several different ways. Mm -hmm. They they you might be throwing it one way one day, the next day they might not quite want it the same way you were throwing it the day before. So you got to change it up. So yeah. and, to, and that's what he's in, getting at. To put it in perspective, I haven't had one of those tied on in about two months. Yeah, well, but, and, but, uh, but it's still. I was throwing the wrong bait today. No but it, to yeah, but it's still my <laughs> it's still my favorite bait to get bit on. But I haven't thrown one in a couple months because it's just it's a it's a very seasonal thing. When they when they're on it, they're on it. When they're not, they're really not. Yeah. And uh, just a little tip is uh, when you're throwing that Clio, change hardwares. Yep. So, um, with other than that, that's the only kind of tip that I'm gonna give for the Clio. <laughs> for the Clio. <laughs> but um, uh, let's see. Let's. Uh, uh, one more thing. The other tip I'll give is, and I know a lot of people don't do this. I'm real particular when it comes to uh, something coming out of the package, typically. And I know the, the hooks on it is pretty good. I usually change out the hooks. I, I have my own, I have my own treble hooks that I like to use that I'm really, you know, my confident treble hooks. But I will, but the one thing I absolutely will change on little Cleo when I come in the package is the uh, split split ring on the mm -hmm. front side of the, yeah. the split ring. A lot of times I'll change the hook for sure. Yeah. Put on like an owner sting or something like that. Um, because if you take that little Cleo out of the package for me, I know it's got a sharp hook on it. If I can go, you know, take the hook like that and peel away a little skin. Yeah. And, uh, and if I can't do that with a bait, it's getting a new hook. Cause that's yeah. one of them that gets a new hook. Yeah. So, 
Not the fact that we're trying to bash little Cleo because we do like them. Love the bait. And this man hooked me up with it. But, um, so, now, um, let's talk about, because you said if you had to catch a fish and it didn't matter the size or anything like that, you said the Ned Rig. All right. Let's talk a little bit about Jesse. Okay, yeah, Jesse. Uh, if you've been in my boat, you have used probably uh, a flipping fish. That's the name of the company. You've used one of his Nedrick heads. Uh, he is. He makes the best the best jig heads that I've used. I've used a lot of different Nedrick heads, uh, especially when you guide. You get some clients who who are still new to fishing, and you're trying to help them get fish in the boat. So you're going to throw finesse stuff like that a lot, and the finesse bait that that works the best for me is a Ned rig. So I w- I've always been searching for that best Ned rig head for the best price. Um, and Jesse, uh, he, he's a guy. He owns a, a company called Flippin' Fish up out of Cookville, Tennessee. You can find him on Facebook, uh, Instagram. Uh, if you want to get in contact with him, you can reach out to me and ask for a phone number. But he makes the best Ned rig head. Great light wire hook on it. He will do everything he can to get you the colors, the patterns, the weights, whatever it is you want. He's got a million different weights and a million different colors. What I love most about his jig heads is, one, he doesn't overcharge for them, and two, I've, I've, if you've been up to Parksville, you know it can be a very rocky lake, and uh, or even on Nickajack, you can bang that thing over a shell bed for eight hours, and it's still going to have the paint on it at the end of the day and you're not going to pay the same that you will for other brands. So that's just, yeah. for me, those are the two things that make his jig heads the best. So if you'd like to, if you'd like to see any of those, you know, if, if you run into me at the boat ramp and you're curious about it, he makes an awesome jig head. He makes soft plastics. He makes regular jigs. Um, just great, great all around guy who makes some great stuff. So yeah. definitely wanted to plug him on here a little bit. Yeah. So does, uh, does he just do hooks and or does he do anything else? Yeah, so so he does. He has probably fifty different soft plastic molds. He does a lot of my a lot of my molds for you know little swim baits. Uh, he makes a great Zaco for uh, for throwing on a chatter bait. Lots of good drop shot worms, things like that. He pours them all himself. If you have a color you dreamt of, and you can even describe it to him, he will make it for you or like lose sleep over not being able to make it. Um, but yeah, so he, he does soft plastics. He has uh, jigs, you know, skirted jigs. He does uh, one of the things we like to throw out there is the Z-Man micro jig. He, he makes a good micro jig as well. So just a Ned rig with the skirt on it. Um, so, so yeah, he, yep. he, he does it all. Yeah. We just want to, uh, to at least give him a plug on this because it helps out when you get you find a uh, a bait maker or something like that that can make stuff and that can get it to you when you need it because mm-hmm. when you need it and you can't get it that's when you need it the most yep. so um and he helps josh get out every day out on the water and uh, you've been in my boat you've seen my giant bag and every goods and every time <laughs> i text him for 150 more he gets them to me as soon as possible, right. and I'm, I'm never out of Nedra again, or or uh, or ballhead jigs or anything like right. that. So um, let's talk about you giving back. Um, 
because I know that is a big part of this, of what you do. Mm -hmm. uh, because I've been, I've, we've done the 50 legs tournament and I know that you've done the St. Jude's and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's been multiple other things that you have given to, to, uh, to help raise money for some kind of charity. Yep. Um, let's talk about that a little bit. Um, what what makes you want to do that for one i mean because some people would be like oh that's just throwing i'm throwing a god a day god trip out when uh, when i could have actually been making that money mm -hmm. but you choose to give it for a good cause so yeah so there there's obviously a a, a lot of uh Oh, you can answer that real quick. Um, Zach asked if we're doing the 50 legs tournament this year. Um, we are not doing it this year. We, um, because Norman and I wanted to get this podcast started and, uh, and then we've got the, our uh, production company going. So we're trying to get the podcast started and doing all uh, with the podcast or the production company it just kind of took up more time to where we did not have the time to be able to go to put into doing the 50 lakes so we are going to uh try to get it going again here this following year we uh we were asked by uh by steve uh chamberlain that's uh the guy that runs 50 legs we was asked, he said, we appreciate you doing the fishing tournament, but he says, can you please make it to where it's in the summertime? <laughs> he's so, from Orlando. He's from Southern Florida, Tampa area. So <laughs> side, side note on that, I took Norman crappie fishing a couple months ago and I thought he was going to curl up in the fetal position in the, in the bottom of the boat. I made one mistake. I didn't <laughs> put my gloves on before it ran across yeah, oh, the water. Man, I, I never could get the frostbite out of my hands that whole day. But, but yeah, to answer, are, are you, yeah, I'm done. I was going to say that to answer your question about the charities, one, if you're in a position to do it, you should do it. Um, yeah. I got to give Zach a shout out. Uh, I know he's watching and a lot of people, of course, you know, who Zach is, if you fish Nick and Jack, he's a hammer yeah. out there, but he, he put on a tournament, uh, what was that Zach a month? month and a half ago around christmas and uh i donated a half day trip to it lots of people bought raffle tickets all that money went to uh, a group called young american ministries and what they do is uh, it's down in north georgia they work with some underprivileged kids and just bring them in on mondays have a devotional have a dinner and so we we donated okay it was it was january 1st um mm -hmm. that that we zach did that tournament and uh so we donated uh I donated a half day trip. All the money went to uh, went went to them. It you guys ended up raising almost two hundred dollars uh, to give to them for that trip, which was almost the cost of the half day trip itself, which was phenomenal. Yeah, and uh, and they were super grateful. But but yeah, just giving back is something that is important to me. Um, which I know a lot of people say that uh, it's cliche, but uh, there's been way too many people that have helped me get to where I'm at. Yeah. You two guys sitting here doing your podcast, a lot of the guys watching, Zach, Rocky, people I've talked to, people I've ran into, um, my family, obviously. But there's been way too many people that have that have gone out of their way to help me 
for absolutely no reason and for for just to, to be nice. Um, and so that's why I give back. And then the the last one that I do is uh, for a charity or for the NWTF, the National Wild Turkey Federation. They do a uh, a banquet every year, and so I donate one for them just yeah. to get more kids outside. So. Now, tell us tell us a little bit too. You do one for the I think it's called Outdoor Outdoor Warriors. Uh, oh yeah, do, so it's two, uh, yeah basically give away two trips a year. Yeah, so it's it's called the Fallen Outdoors. Um, it's a, it's an organization that gets veterans outside. Uh, Norman was nice enough. Part of the reason we were crappie fishing back in December was so uh, we could we could get a game plan for how we were going to take these guys fishing. Um, but but once a quarter we we have a group of of guys from the Fallen Outdoors come and they're they're veterans who. Um, we we donate outdoor activities for them and so for myself it's obviously a fishing trip and we donate it to them uh and just take a few veterans fishing as a thank you for their service as a way to to give them an opportunity to enjoy some outdoor time and and not be at a high cost to them um and then uh and then of, of course it's it's therapy for us and and it's therapy for a lot of people and so being able to, to give back in that way for people who were, were willing to make the ultimate sacrifice so I could make a living fishing yeah. um, just seemed like the right thing to do. So that's why we do that. Yeah. Yeah. Because we knew that just knowing you, that uh, that you have a heart for that, for helping people out. Um, and so even even when you you help out people, when it's actually costing you to go to take somebody out, it's costing you money with the driving to the boat ramp, the gas and the bait and all that. So uh, we wanted to spotlight that because that is, uh, we know that it's big and into your heart and uh, into your family and stuff because mm -hmm. it, it affects them also. So, um, and that might tie back even back to you uh, with your faith and all that too, that, you're having faith that God's going to take care of you on that aspect. You're helping people out. So it's going to be taken care of, followed up. Absolutely. Um, but uh, I had another question for you, but I totally forgot it. Um, you have anything, Norman? Man, I think we covered about everything. Um, yep. But anything else you might want to add, Josh, to uh, this? Thing? I do have. I remember. There you go. All right. With you guiding, um, what, excuse me, what age group? I mean, you do you? I know you don't want like no toddlers or nothing like that on your boat or, mm -hmm. or something like that. Um, but do you like adapt for like to having kids on the boat, uh, elderly people on the boat, and for yeah. your guide trips? Uh, yeah, no, we we do. You know. I'll have a lot of conversations. Uh, a lot of parents have, have good enough, you know, a good enough mindset about it to where they'll reach out and they'll be like, Hey, my kid's four years old. Is he too young? And we'll talk through it a little bit, but whoever wants to go fishing on my boat is welcome. Um, we, I've, I've had trips with people we've had to help into the boat and, and yeah. get them into the boat. I've had, I think the youngest, the youngest I've had is a, is four years old out there. And, uh, and she was, she was a sweetheart and she did awesome all day. And, um, but but really it's just about growing that love for the next generation and and growing love for people who are kind of you know over the hill yeah. too but still want to feel young yeah. um 
there's there's nobody that's not allowed in the boat there's there's not a trip where i'm gonna you know not look forward to it because of who i've got coming out there that's why i love doing what i do is because right. each group has something to bring and uh and it's it's just awesome it's awesome to to be able to see all that yeah and uh lori from two chicks and a boat says hey hey what's up lori so, um and I'll be actually. When are they due to be here with their? Uh, Lori, can you can you put the date of y'all's tournament for Chickamauga on here, and we'll kind of talk a little bit about it before we wrap things up. Um, Lori and Beth are two chicks in a boat. We met them at ICAST last year, yeah. and uh, April second. April second. Yep. And so they live in Ohio. And so when well, we met them at ICAST, chit chatted with them on the bus ride back to the hotel. Um, and um, they, uh, so we kind of, we gave numbers and stuff like that back and forth. And so we've been kind of just keeping in touch. Well, uh beth and lori are doing a tournament series called two chicks in a boat what they're wanting to do is to uh to grow the women uh fishing or women anglers and so they're doing a tournament for just women uh anglers it's uh you can be a single boater or you can be have a boat with two uh, but their first stop is april 2nd and it's going to be here. It's the first time that they're doing the two chicks in a boat tournament uh, trail. And their first stop is going to be Chickamauga. So uh, and to answer to answer what you said, Lori, uh, it is uh, Chester Frost is notoriously tough now to get a get a permit. There's a few other ramps that could be good for it. Uh, and I'm sure Colin could help you with that. Yeah. And then also Zach has a tournament coming up Saturday. Uh, so a week from so in like five days. Zach has one going out of River Park. If you haven't fished it, it's crazy fun. Yeah. Zach's an awesome it guy is. and he puts on a great tournament. Um, looking for lunkers. That's what Lori says. Uh, Lori says looking for lunkers. So, um, we, uh, well, I'll call you Lori on trying to help you with the boat ramps. I'll call you here later on. Um, but, other than that, we uh, we have gone an hour and ten minutes, and uh, yes, time flies when you're talking fishing. Uh, yes, time, time flies when we're happy. Right. Yes, that's right. Um, she's asking. I know Chester Frost. You do Chester, Chester Frost. Frost. You need one for any tournament. Uh, how about uh, I've never. I mean, how about the big one with Decatur, where most of the bigger bigger terms yeah you have to go through dayton that i do know harrison bay wolf tiber can hold a 20 boat yeah you can go to wolf tiber and hold it you can call you don't need a permit if you go to wolf right yeah so harrison bay and chester frost and dayton you will have to have a permit so um let's see but other than that Josh, we appreciate you coming yeah. out. I Had know you got a trip you. tomorrow, yeah. and uh, 
you got something going Friday, you're going to have some spy boats coming. <laughs> got, yeah, got, yeah. got one Thursday. Um, so. I thought this man's a busy man. He's a, that's the goal. He's books. So uh, so. Rocky says out of the damn the upper side, Irwin Marina, Zach says. Um, Zach, you can't go out of Irwin Marina. That's where we definitely don't catch crappie at on Nickajack. But, uh, <laughs> well, Irwin Marine's on the river. You're, you're thinking of Chickamauga Marine, I think. But yeah. yeah, Rocky's right. You could go right up, at, right up from the dam, Lori, and uh, easily get 20 boats out of there in April. Yeah, but, well, so that's where she had. They were going to go uh, out of Lake Shore Marina. Yeah, and then they told them, "Well, our our boat ramp sucks." So uh, then she went, and I told her uh, about the Chattanooga Marina. And so I don't know what the issues that she had going out of there, but Chattanooga Marina definitely can hold yeah. 20 oh, boats. Yeah. They, oh, yeah. they can hold probably close to 50, yeah. 60 boats. So, but, uh, 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 they're rebuilding it and shutting it down. I gotcha. Um, we're going to get off here. Josh, we definitely thank you for coming out, yeah, brother. We had a good time. Good time talking fishing with uh, Chad Hookham. That's fishing it. Charters. And um, before we let you go, Josh, let everybody know how they can get in touch with you. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I obviously I've got a Facebook page, Instagram page, uh, most active on the, on the Facebook page. You can message me on there. It's just Chad Hookham Fishing Charters. And I think they've linked my yeah. name. We'll my name's at least there. You look that name up, you'll find me on Facebook. Yeah. And uh, and then I've also got a website. If you search Chattahooka Fishing Charters online, I've got a website you can book that way. And uh, and yeah, so that's how you can get a hold of me. And my phone number, my email, it's all it's all linked in all those places. Just reach out if you want to get out there or if you ever want a fishing report. Um, obviously, I'm not going to give you waypoints or anything, but yeah. uh, but you can call and I'll do everything I can to help put you on the fish because that's what it's all about. So. Right. And what we're going to do um, is in the descriptions after we get done in the description, we're going to link all his information into it. So it's going to be easy for y'all to check it out and get a hold of him because I promise you, you take a trip with him that uh, you will be booking another trip because how many people do you have that read books from? Well, you probably can't even count. Yeah, that's that's a that's a bigger number. Um, that's yeah. one thing I definitely pride myself on is getting yeah. is getting repeat clients, and I'd say I'm probably fifty or sixty percent of my clients right now are repeats, which is which is the ultimate goal, and yeah. I'm really proud of that. Yeah, for sure. So, um, but again, we will link off his information down in the description, and uh, we want to say if you've held on this long for an hour and fourteen minutes. We want to say thank you, and um, we uh, hope that you will. We're going to be putting this on deck talk here tomorrow. Um, we had issues, technical issues. Well, we had quite a bit of technical issues. One with the camera, and then two with the YouTube not allowing us to go live on it. So tomorrow, this we're going to put this back on. We're going to put this on deck talks. YouTube page. It is called Deck Talk Podcast. So look for it. 
we need you to like and subscribe. And again, we thank you all for watching and uh, thank you all for commenting on uh, and asking Josh some questions. And uh, we appreciate everybody coming along for the, this is episode one. Guys, keep posted for episode two. We should be taping sometime around uh, mid-March episode two. Um, and uh, we have a, our special guest on episode two is going to be legendary. Hold on. What, what's that, Josh? Right, yeah, let's, let's let Josh announce who our, who our guest for episode two is going to be. So if you guys enjoyed listening to this guy talk that has no clue compared to the next guy, you'll definitely enjoy listening to one of the godfathers of bass fishing. That is Shaw Grigsby. Yeah. Uh, he is one of the greatest to ever do it. He's one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Uh, if, you've, if you've had the pleasure of talking to him, he probably giggled the whole way through the conversation. <laughs> but uh, you don't want to miss it. It's yeah. going to be awesome. Yeah. So, uh, again, Josh, we thank you. Um, tell your wife we said thanks for letting us have you for <laughs> about two yeah. hours. So, Amen. Uh, but, again, congratulations on the baby. Thank you. And, thank you. Uh, we cannot wait to see that baby out on the boat with you. That's right. That's so, right. My next fishing party. Uh, <laughs> so, um, other than that, let's uh, let's wrap this thing up, and uh, we will see y'all out on the water. God bless. Tight lines. Tight lines, guys. See you guys. Peace out. Thanks. <laughs>